This is Neijing Now, prioritizing well-being. Neijing is the vitality that shields us from disease. Neijing Now, placing and taking responsibility for the health of the individual and the planet. From molecular biology to global ecology, from political socioeconomics to psychology and spirituality. Neijing Now, demystifying medicine, empowering host resistance. We can be found on the web at neijingnow.org. N-E-I-J-I-N-G-N-O-W.org. I'm Dr. Jayshree Chandar, and I welcome you to another opportunity for exploring Neijing Now. I'm speaking with Steve Olanik on the California Zephyr Amtrak train headed from Chicago to Emeryville, California. I struck up a conversation with him in the dining car, and I wanted to share our conversation with you. So we got talking because of your I Heart Physics t-shirt. <laughs> you were also telling me that you used to be an engineer. You studied to be an engineer at MIT. That's correct. I got a degree from MIT in computer science and electrical engineering, and then worked in Silicon Valley for 16 years. Wow, so that's great. That's like the heart of engineering right now. Absolutely. That's kind of where things were happening, so yeah. it was exciting. And I worked on some really cutting-edge stuff. Kind of, in a lot of ways, it was also helping people. Mm-hmm. What was the stuff that you were working on? Well, the real cutting-edge stuff was artificial intelligence. Interesting. So you loved it, though? I did. Yeah. I did. I found the whole technology pretty fascinating. For my senior thesis at MIT, my thesis was on machine vision, so I'd been in, very involved in the AI department. AI, artificial intelligence, yeah. That's correct, uh-huh. yeah. So you were loving it, you were doing your engineering, you were doing cutting-edge stuff in artificial intelligence, and then what happened? Between the AI and the major event that changed things for me was I also worked for Intuit. What's Intuit? Maker of Quicken, TurboTax now, at the time that was just Quicken, mm-hmm. and QuickBook. Well, how did that make your transition into your new life that you're living now, which we are still leaving a mystery for our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> how did that make it easier? Stock. Ah, okay, some assets to work with and some security. Exactly. It's helped me live life as a teacher, which is what I'm doing now. So basically, it's like you can do whatever you want because you have that financial security. Pretty much. Uh Enough that I can make some choices and not have to make a huge lifestyle change. Right. So tell me about the choices you made and why. Well, what happened was my wife got sick with melanoma and uh, passed away after a two-year battle. Melanoma is a skin cancer that tends to be quite aggressive. Yeah, and so it metastasized. And um, when she passed away, I did a lot of thinking. You, you, your perspective on the world changes when you lose somebody yeah. that close. And I realized how much I miss working with kids. In high school, I earned money by running kids' groups at the Jewish Community Center. I taught religious school on Saturday. And then my senior year of high school, I volunteered for most of the day at the local elementary school, plus camp counselor in college. I realized how much I missed working with kids, so I went and volunteered in a school to just see if I still enjoyed it as much as I did, you know, 18 years before. You were testing the waters. What did you do while you were volunteering? 
I stopped being a manager. At that point, I had been managing engineers, and I went back to an engineer's schedule so that I could have more time. Because at the moment I walked into that classroom, it was like coming home for me. Really? Uh, oh, I knew within a day that this was where I needed to be. Oh, isn't that sweet? Mm. What were you doing in the classroom? I was just helping out. And like a teacher's aide? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so... And even just being a teacher's aide was just wonderful for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I really love working with the kids. I really like teaching. You know, that joy when the kid gets it and the light comes on in their eyes and the, the energy of the kids is just amazing. I changed my schedule around doing my engineering, which you normally don't have to do, 9 to 5, 8 to 5. So I was at school a couple days a week and doing my work either in the evenings or on weekends for the engineering so that I could be in the schools. Oh, great. So, you know, some people advise people who are thinking about having kids to babysit some kids for a day or two because that will cure them of their desire <laughs> to have kids. But it seemed like it worked the opposite for you. Not that you were debating about having kids, but that, like, how much time you wanted to spend with kids. I knew enough from working with kids on a regular basis at high school that, you know, one or two days doesn't give you an idea. But it just felt like I belonged. I really did. Uh -huh. You Immediate. belonged with the kids. Exactly. Yeah. And this was in the Silicon Valley? Yeah. Yeah, this, the school was only about four or five blocks from my house. Oh. So I was able to walk over there. It was just a local school. I didn't pick anyone in particular. Uh -huh. And they were glad to have me and what I could bring to the classroom. Today, they would make you go through all these kind of checks and things. Uh -huh. I was actually kind of surprised. I walked into the school, talked to the principal, and they said, oh, great, go to this room. <laughs> oh, yeah, nowadays, it's like everybody's so paranoid. There's so much suspicion and mistrust. Exactly. I mean, you know, even our parents that go on field trips with us now, if they want to be alone with kids at all, they have to have a background check, fingerprint the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, it's a different world. So what changed for you after you made this transition? You decided to not just volunteer at the schools, but to make teaching your career. Correct. So this was September I started volunteering. By that spring, I had applied to University of Colorado in Boulder. My brother lived in Boulder, and I, I could teach anywhere. And particularly after having gone through the two-year battle, when my wife passed away, I wanted to be near family and Boulder was amazing. Interestingly enough, I thought, you know, coming from like go-go Silicon Valley, everybody was gonna think I was out of my mind. Right. Right? You out of your mind for moving? For, yeah, why are you giving up an engineering career to be a teacher, you don't get paid anything. Right. And I only had one person that felt that way. You mean only one person commented on that one? Yeah, only one person commented that way. But I had a lot of people come up and say, I wish I had the guts to do that, which totally, shocked me. I did not expect that at all. I mean, that was probably at least 20 people at, at it came up and said that to me. I told my dad about you this afternoon and he said, wow. He said, <laughs> wow. He was impressed too. And I'm impressed, which is why I'm interviewing you because it does take courage. It takes bucking the, the societal value that places salary very high on the list of priorities. How much you get paid is one of the most important things. People will leave their families, leave their kids, leave their mm -hmm. loved ones to go make more money. Absolutely. And it, it's such a shame because there's so much more to life. You know, I had one career which I loved that was very much ahead. And now I have another career that I love which is very much heart. The money secondary. So tell me what changed in your personal life uh, after making this change in your professional life? Interesting question. 
Well, kind of to your point about the societal values, it's very interesting. Because when I would meet people, it still happens when I meet people, and I talk to them about being a third-grade teacher, I get treated a certain way. What way? Sometimes looked down on, absolutely. How does that manifest? They don't assume I'm very smart. Right. (laughs) They assume that, well, you couldn't be something else, so that's why you became a third-grade teacher. Exactly. And then they find out MIT engineer, and they... All of a sudden, I'm a totally different person. And then how do they treat you? Oh, a lot more respect. It's like then they're really willing to engage in more, like, more interesting topics of conversation a lot. It's surprising. There's such a bias, and teachers in our society just don't have the societal respect. And then the pay reflects that. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Teachers work as hard as the engineers in Silicon Valley do in terms of putting in the hours, in terms of the sort of mental toll it takes Mm -hmm. and emotional yeah which often the silicon valley doesn't have as much of the emotional part but you have that on top of it you know you're constantly trying to figure out 20 some odd kids 28 29 kids and all their psychologies and all their family backgrounds and all their traumas and all their economic situation exactly and all of that comes into the classroom I've taught my whole career to school that has a very high poverty population. So kids bring in a lot. You know, I mean, kids of all socioeconomic statuses have problems. But when, you know, your parents are working two jobs, there's only a limited amount of help they can be. There's lots of stresses on the family. They come in hungry. Mm-hmm. They don't look forward to summer vacation. It sounds like teaching is more stressful than being an engineer. Many times it was. You know, I think the only time that engineering was that stressful was when Microsoft tried to put us out of business. But so teaching can be more stressful than being an engineer. Oh, very often it is, yeah. So you're more stressed, you're getting paid less, but you're happier. Yeah. Well, so you got to explain that. You got to, like, walk us through that because most people would say, why not get paid more for less work and less stress? I know I'm making an impact on people's lives. I know that the kids that I touch are going to be changed in some way, hopefully for the positive. I know I've inspired several other people to become teachers. I've given kids that didn't think they had a future academically confidence in themselves that they could do it. But sometimes it's something as small as, you know, the kid goes home feeling like, you know, they came in the day really struggling with something and they go home and they've dealt with it and they've conquered it. They believe in themselves again. Can't put a dollar amount on that. It's a sense of satisfaction. Yeah, satisfaction and, how do I say it, it's... Fulfillment. Yeah, fulfillment is probably the better one. It's, I feel like I'm giving back. You feel like you're living with some purpose. Yeah. You have something to offer, so you want to offer it. Exactly. I can do things that can help them be better them. And that just feels wonderful inside. Sounds like you feel like a better you, too. I do. I do. And one other thing that's awesome is I get a good laugh almost every day. How many jobs do that for you, right? I mean, the kids do the silliest things, and it's it's fun. They surprise me still, even after 22 years teaching. Right. Beautiful. Really beautiful. Would you say this shift has also impacted your health in any way? I'm not sure, because the stress is still there. Mm -hmm. Maybe if I worked in a different kind of school, Mm -hmm. it would be less stressful. But I don't think I would feel as as satisfied. I really know that I'm making an impact where I am. How do you think society ought to be supporting you better? Well, the first thing has to be, you know, as you mentioned, salary. 
unfortunately. People who with a master's degree in education often earn less than people with a bachelor's degree and and it's so you're short. So, so you're saying that people with a master's degree who are working in education are not getting paid as much as somebody with a bachelor's degree in a different profession. Exactly. Then on top of that, we spend a lot of our own money buying stuff for the classrooms. Mm-hmm. Colorado's particularly bad with that. We went from top 10 in the country to bottom five in spending in the last 20 years or so. California's at the bottom bottom, I think. <laughs> yeah, so it was a similar property tax law. Yeah. It just really cut off the money, yeah. and it's so short-sighted. Yeah. Right? These are the kids that are going to be your doctors, that are going to be the people that take care if, of you. If they get there. If they get there, that's right. <laughs> would you rather pay for them to have a good school education, or would you rather put them in a jail? Yeah. The money that states are spending on the prison system far outdoes what they spend on education. Absolutely. And a lot of what gets spent on education with the high-stakes testing that goes on goes to the companies that are writing the high-stakes tests and writing the books to help you study for the high-stakes test. That's where the money's going instead of the classrooms where it's going to really affect the kids because those tests are absolutely useless. They use it to judge teachers in schools. In fact, my class from one year to the next has much greater variation than you're going to see from one school to the other. It's really not valid on a scale smaller than a district. And wow. It's a big responsibility being a teacher. It is, because you're not only responsible for their education, but their emotional development as well. You know, the kids come in, and we're with them in many cases more than their parents are during the week for sure. Kids call me mom and dad all the time. It's, I always find mom hysterically funny. <laughs> so, that is pretty funny. <laughs> I got a beard, right? And, <laughs> so I usually say your mom doesn't have a beard. But that's the best compliment you can get, right? That is, really. <laughs> yeah, you're having to fill that role for them. But they know I'm there for them. There's been, I think, six or seven times I've had to call child services, mm. which is a stressful situation. But the fact that a kid talked to me about it and was open to me about a situation where they weren't safe, that's an amazing compliment. And they know that I'm there for them, and that's part of that fulfillment. Yeah, it's, it's big. I can hear the gravity and the emotion in your voice. That's a really big responsibility, and we owe it to our teachers to support our teachers. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I hope more people feel like you. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that a lot. People say, oh, yeah, you know, your teachers are great. You're doing great things for the future. But then there's no follow-up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Is there anything you want to add? The thing of interest for me is the transition yeah. you know, and the choice, the values, the prioritization, because that does take courage. Oh, thank you. I haven't looked back. I know I, I've given up probably millions in salary, but I've gotten so much. Like, that's the thing. Like, tell us what the thing is that, that makes up for the salary. <laughs> Every day I'm making a difference in those kids' lives. Well, so that sounds like altruism. It sounds like you're giving and there's this, like a, a sacrifice to help. But there's something you get that is not about giving. It's something that you're getting out of it. I'm feeling good about myself because I'm doing something good, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's tremendous satisfaction. In any job you do, there's satisfaction and job well done. A job well done in something that is truly impactful just takes that satisfaction up several notches. Just multiplies it, basically. Multiplies, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Beautiful, really beautiful. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> really great talking with you. Yeah. That was Steve Olanik <laughs> on the Amtrak train, California Zephyr, heading into Emeryville.
I'm Dr. Jay Shrichander, creator of Naging Now, a podcast about prioritizing well-being. On the web at nagingnow.org. Naging Now is independent and entirely listener-supported. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give it a thumbs up, share it with your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and donate generously. Your support is essential to keep Naging Now alive. Naging Now is written, recorded, edited, produced, and distributed by Dr. Jay Shrichander. Website by Takahiro Noguchi. Tabla and Manjira played by Jaisi. Compositions from Pandit Swapan Chaudhary. Bass guitar by Pedro Ordonez. Drum set by Jesse Garcia. Multi-instrumentalist Dave Rosenfeld. Concluding poem by Jaisi. You can find us on the web at nagingnow.org. N-E-I-J-I-N-G-N-O-W dot O-R-G.